Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You got your ass, Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow. Now is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host Eddie Trunk. Hey folks, Eddie Trunk here with you, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcasts, including... The SiriusXM app, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Grab it, subscribe. Thank you for doing so, and thank you for joining me for Rock Talk and conversations and interviews each and every week. As I always tell you, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast originated on my SiriusXM radio show. That is called Trunk Nation and airs Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Channel 106. Nightly re-airs, 10 to midnight Eastern, and anything you want on the SiriusXM app, including audio and video. Be sure to check it all out. Don't miss anything. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, please join me daily on SiriusXM. If you're only listening to this podcast, you are getting a tiny, tiny taste of what I do on a daily basis over on SiriusXM Radio. And, of course, uh, if you're outside of the U.S. or Canada, well, thank you for listening. And, of course, you can't get SiriusXM outside, but uh, get a good taste of what I do, at least a little little sampling and uh, some great interviews and conversations. Great to bring you to this week. I'm going to be joined by, a little later on in the show, a guy by the name of Dave Lowy. Dave Lowy is the mastermind behind the Dead Daisies. He is a guy that a lot of people have often wondered and questioned and suspected uh, the validity or debated the validity of the Dead Daisies, given that it's a band that is basically run by an extraordinarily wealthy businessman who hires these band members to play with him and create records. There are some that have been critical of the band for that reason and others that you know just love the band and don't care about that stuff. But what's interesting is the Dead Daisies have had a long history and a lot of different people in the band. And I have never once heard an interview with Mr. Lowy. He has never come into my studio, has never been on my show, although members of the Dead Daisies have many, many times. 
So this was kind of an exclusive thing and a rare thing for David Lowy to take time out to actually tell the real story of the Dead Daisies, his background and story, which is quite interesting, and of course, a little bit about the band and their great new record. I think you're going to really enjoy that conversation. It's not somebody you hear from a lot, and he had some real interesting stories and stuff to tell about his commitment to music and how much he loves it, despite the fact that, as I said, he's an extraordinarily successful businessman. But we opened the show this week with Dennis DeYoung, of course, the original singer, keyboard player, and member of Styx. Dennis is one of those rare examples of an artist who is open about wanting to perform again with his former band Styx, although there's nothing imminent in the cards for that. Styx are currently getting ready to go out there and release a new record of their own. They've had a replacement for Dennis DeYoung in the band for the longest time by the name of Lawrence Gowan. They continue on with him, and Dennis continues to make his own music under his own name. His latest studio record is what he is calling his final record his farewell record, if you will. It's called 26 East Part 2, and that is out now. And we talk about that and a little bit about Sticks as well with Dennis DeYoung. So we are going to open the show with Dennis, and we are going to close the show this week with Dave Lowy of the Dead Daisies. One guy in Dennis DeYoung, if you're a rock fan, essentially a, a household name, and and Dave Lowy, a guy that is not a household name, but I think you're going to find a very, very interesting conversation. So a good double dip for you this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. A quick note, as uh, appearances come rolling in, don't forget that I will be in McKinney, Texas. If you're listening to this on post day, Thursday, I'm in McKinney, Texas this Friday, the 18th, doing a Q&A speaking show going to break out some old that metal show photos it's going to be awesome please come on out if you're in the dallas area to the guitar sanctuary this friday june 18th if you are not in the area and you can't join in person you can purchase a streaming ticket and watch virtually we're going to have a great time there in mckinney and then this saturday the 19th i'm in oklahoma city the diamond ballroom hosting joyous wolf and dirty honey and then on the 25th I'm in Houston at Warehouse Live hosting Lita Ford, Warrant, and Bullet Boys. The 26th, I'm in Tulsa hosting Lita Ford at the IDL Ballroom. Tons of other stuff coming up. It's all listed on the homepage of eddytrunk.com, but that's the stuff in the immediate future. And be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, especially on Twitter and Instagram. First up, as mentioned, Dennis DeYoung, formerly of Sticks. Here's that conversation on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, we'll spend a few minutes now with the guy that was on with us not too long ago. You know him best as the former singer and uh, multi-instrumentalist, really, from the band Styx. It is Dennis DeYoung joining us live right now. Dennis, how you been, my friend? Good, Eddie, and yourself. And by the way, those two girls, those girls rock. They're both very good. I like both of them. Yeah, they both have some powerhouse voices as well. Dennis, do you keep up with a lot of like the more current music scene, or or do you do you do you listen to a lot of newer music and newer bands? You know, Eddie, I've been recently while I'm walking and exercising in my house because I'm a prisoner here. Apparently, I feel like Ted Koppel. You know, Dennis Young held held hostage day four hundred. <laughs> um, I walk around my house, and so when I do that, 
I go and, and I, I go to YouTube and I listen to all kinds of albums that I've never listened to. And then I listen to old albums to see if I still like them. So, I'm, you know, I don't listen to a ton of new stuff, but I try to keep up. And, uh, you know, so I know who those girls are. But for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening to stuff I used to think was great to see if I still think it's great. What Have you heard some things or some newer bands that have resonated with you? Honestly, Eddie, you know this. You're in the business of rock and roll. I mean, nobody's more knee-deep in it than you. It's Here's what radio used to do, Eddie. You know this. You're in Jersey. You know, you're trying to figure out your life. You're clueless like the rest of us. And you're driving around in your car in your Trans Am or whatever you had, uh, you know, could have been a, a 1987 Nissan for all I know. And then some guy in the radio plays something and you go, what the hell was that? And you wait, he tells you, right? Or he doesn't. And you wait again. And the minute you say, oh God, I love that. You run to the record store, you throw down the cash and you take something that you believe will make your life better will allow you to understand the life you're leading better. For you, it was, you know, it was Gene and Paul, wasn't it? That's what that was Yeah, yeah Kiss was my gate. Well, well, actually, I always, you know, I always say, because Kiss was the most impactful band by far for me as a kid, and it was my world for, for a number of years. But I always have to give a nod to a band called The Raspberries, who were really the first time I heard proper rock music and my first favorite rock band. I love those guys. You know, Go all the way. Uh, you know, they, 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 yeah, they were all the ways great. I love that those guys. Um, but you know, you like, you know, nobody said, "Hey, Eddie, Eddie's listening to the Carpenters." I don't think they said that. So no. but you heard it. <laughs> you heard it, and you ran out, and you got it, and you took it home, and it was real. It was something you could hold in your hand, and then you put it on, and you listened. You smelled the vinyl. You know, that, oh, should yeah. the, that should be a title of an album. Smell the vinyl. Here they are. Direct from Stonehenge. It should but, be a fragrance. <laughs> and, <laughs> really? So uh, when you come, you get you get a download, you press the button on your computer, a computer, and you smell vinyl. Anyway, yeah. uh, that's what it was about. Rock music on the damn radio. Now, if you're searching out music and you're younger or older, you know, you go on the internet. You got to look around. You got to type something in, and uh, the, the choices are astronomical. You can't even imagine the choices, and so it ends up being like homework. Yeah. I don't like homework. Neither did you. The radio was the key, and rock radio in America is a shambles. Yeah, so- I agree. I agree, Dennis. I've said that many times. One of the one of the I have a phrase all the time. I said one of the one of the the good thing is if you're a musician is that anybody can make music and release it now. The bad thing is if you're a musician, anybody can make music and release it now. You have this unbelievably overcrowded, oversaturated uh, plat- platforms to put out music. So the biggest challenge for fans of any kind of music is finding it and knowing it exists. And it's not, unfortunately, for people like you, the artist. It's not even about trying to sell it anymore. That's icing on the cake. Just know it exists and hear it. Click on it and hear it. That's what it seems to be about now. I think the whole world is ending. We just haven't recognized it yet. (laughs) I don't mean that. I just, I look around. Don't you? I mean, the last year and a half, all of us have gone, what the hell just happened? 
Honest to God, don't you? You must know people. Don't tell me you don't know people that you you may not speak to. You may not see them again. And I'm not talking about they they were they succumbed to the cootie cootie nineteen. No, politics has made people, families, and friendships end in the last year. Not alone the fact that we're all hiding from uh, from a virus. We don't know what the heck's going on. So it's a very confusing time for all of us. You know this, Eddie. And what does music do for us? I can tell you, it lifts us like no other art form. Yeah. You cannot go and watch a movie a hundred times. You can't read the same book a hundred times. But you could listen to one song or an album a hundred times and still not be tired of it. This is the magic of what you have committed your life to and myself, which is the mystery of music, which digs down into us, into our soul, into our, uh, into our brains, and allows us to understand the universe we live in. Oh, did that sound highfalutin, Eddie? Be honest, it did. Well, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, music is the great escape. Absolutely. Hey, I got to ask you, so you've said this more than once. So you said, you know, about lockdown and, and all that and the year that we've had and, and everything, and it's been rough on everyone. But every day I'm coming on the radio now announcing events, concerts, tours. There's already stuff happening. I've already been on the road some uh, here in New Jersey where we have been fairly locked down. It is wide open and has been for like the last couple weeks. There's no more mask mandate here, nothing. It's sounding to me like where you are, Dennis, which is still in the Chicago area, is still pretty restrictive. Are you still, are you guys still have a lot of restrictions on you there and uh, that, that are, are making you not be able to get out and about? No, my my uh, uh, my restrictions are self-imposed. I'm 74, Ed. Uh, I, you know, I'm halfway to 75, and so um, right now I'm just being careful because I'm glad everything is opening up. God bless it. I want to go back on the road. I, I'm I'm supposed to tour next year, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be careful. I'm going to see we're going to open everything up, and I want to watch and see what happens because you know why, Eddie. I've been married to the same woman for 51 years. I have no alimony payments. So all the bands <laughs> that were talking about, I believe they've had too many wives or drug problems or they're gambling. You follow my drift? So you oh, totally. I, I, tell the, I tell my audience all the time, they would be shocked at how many of these uh, legendary, iconic, huge artists absolutely need to go out in the middle of a pandemic because you wouldn't believe their overhead. So I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm in the same boat as you, Dennis, but still, yeah, I mean, you know, some of our friends are not as fortunate as far as the overhead situation. Uh, mothers don't let your, your sons grow up to be bass players or cowboys. Make sure they're songwriters, Eddie. And exactly. all trying to rape us. You know, I'm going to be on a call with Senator Dick Durbin <clears throat> tomorrow um, about the way musicians are being raped, literally. And forget about me, kids that are listening. I made my dough. Thank you to anyone who's listening and ever bought a Dennis DeYoung record or a Sticks album. You made me and my family comfortable. And I appreciate it to the, to, as much as any human being can. But the kids today that are coming up, all these people, this one, that one, especially in rock bands, I can't speak to hip-hop artists. I can't speak to the, uh, to the pop stars, the pretty pop stars. But I know rock bands, this is just terrible because they have no way to make money. So, oh, we'll make it on the road. Now there's a COVID. You can't make it there. And I'll tell you right now, you can't go out on the road and play gigs 
for the most part, unless you have a record. It's ass backwards, Eddie. You know it. I know it. Technology has really made the job of the musicians difficult. And I'm not talking about myself. Kids, I got mailbox money. Thank you. But for all the bands and all the guys and the bass players who never wrote songs, even in the biggest bands, right now they they have to go out. And they have to they have to get back on the stage in the road and and, and work. And me, uh, here I am. I'm walking around my house thinking, when is this going to end? <laughs> because I want to get out there and play. And I I plan to do this in February next year. But right now, Eddie, you know what I'm doing? I'm I'm having my wife make homemade pizza and I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> and you're cashing your mailbox money on all those great songs you wrote that you get the publishing on. You're 100 percent right. I hear you loud and clear. Let Let me ask you about uh, that. We had you on for the first 26 East. Now 26 East Volume. Two was this always planned? I imagine Dennis to be a a two part double record released separately like this. No, every plan I've ever made, Eddie, has blown up in my face. Most of my success <laughs> has been dumb, stupid luck. I want to be clear on that right now. Um, I, I wrote a bunch of songs, uh, Eddie. As I told you before, the concept behind my first album, which is Twenty Six East, was it was a concept album, and it was don't suck. That's it. Don't make songs that people say this old fart should have laid down a long time ago and left us alone. So I made the first record and, and miraculously uh, lots of people liked it. And we recorded and um, wrote over 18 songs to try to narrow it down to get the best ones on one. Then the record company who's Italian said, we want it. We want all the songs. We'll, we'll make it into two volumes. And I said, is the, they're Italian, you know, this company. I said, is there any Lira involved? They said, yeah, we'll double, we'll double the guarantee. Now, Eddie, I was never good in math, but I understood that clearly. So there are two volumes that comes out Friday, June 11th. Already there are two songs you can just go look on with videos on YouTube. Uh, Isle of Misanthrope is one pretty cool video. And there's a second song called The Last Guitar Hero, which uh, features uh, Tom Morello from uh, Rage Against the Machine. And uh, those are two you can see right now. And another song will be coming on Friday. And, um, you know, I, people I have talked to for the last month on the interviews, of course, what are they going to say to me? Eddie, they're going to they're tell me your, your music sucks. I don't think so. But everyone <laughs> who's heard, I mean, they might, but it's not likely. Uh, right. So all over the world, you know, I've been talking to journalists and radio people and uh, da-da-dee, da-da-da. And they all say they like volume two volume better than one. And they really like volume one. And so I want to talk. I want to thank my buddy Jim Peterick, who uh, the guy who wrote "I Have the Tiger" was in Survivor, because he pushed me into this, Eddie, uh, kicking and screaming because I really believed that there was no interest anymore uh, from Six fans or anybody for any albums. But I've been proved wrong, and it won't be the last time. Well, you have said that this you've billed this at least in some interviews as your final album. Is that still the case, or no? Absolutely. Um, and here's why. Does that mean I'm going to go into hibernation? You'll have to find me, you know, <clears throat> up in Tibet someplace looking at my navel and trying to figure out life. No. What it means is I will continue to tour God willing in the creek. Don't leak because none of us knows what's going on, Eddie. That last video I made from my first album, well, I said, uh, uh, what, what is the name of it? Uh, with all due respect. Then there's the first thing you see in the video is breaking news. This just in. Nobody knows nothing that's what i believe here's my here's my advice to all of us 
kids, everybody. As human beings, there's two things I think we should remember. Number one, there's only one rule. It's the golden rule. Try that on. We'll have a better world. Do unto others in the same way you want to, they want them to do unto you. And number two, number two, a little more humility and a lot less hubris. Because mm-hmm. everyone is constantly shooting off their mouths. Now, you and me, Eddie, we get paid to shoot off our mouths. Right. So we figured out a way. We, we got the scam, don't we? We figured out a way to make a living off this. But yeah. we don't hurt nobody. Because we're not propagating any political system or anything to the American public. We're just guys, you know, trying to bring music to people. But I yeah. say there's so much hubris. And if the pandemic has taught, taught us anything, Eddie, it's that we should shut our mouths, be patient, and have a look around. Okay? Because here's what I think about settled science. Are you ready? Science was settled after the Big Bang. Boom! There's this giant thing called science. What is not settled is what the hell we human beings know about it. Let's face it, okay? We don't know as much as we'd like to believe we do. And I think humility. Say, wait a minute. Are you with me, Eddie? I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay, that's my my theory. Now, as far as the music goes, Last Guitar Hero rock. Did you did you hear that track they played for you? Yes. So so I want so so for clarity, this will be your last studio recording, but you're going to continue to be active touring and continuing to go forward. Now, I want to ask you this too. You mentioned Morello being on the track Last Guitar Hero. Tom's a good friend of mine. I'm I I hang with Tom in LA. We're we're buds. Uh how did now I know he's originally from Illinois? But was there, did you know, I mean, where did the connection come that you had Morello guest on a track on this record? How did that happen? Well, I listened, he said he listened to Babe and he used that chord pattern for all the rage music. And I didn't even know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. Get out of town, Eddie. No, I told him I knew you. We, and he said, you know, Eddie? He said, uh, he, he said, yeah, I know Eddie. He, I know him. And he says, we're buds. And he says, well, if you know him and I know him, I still don't like your music. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> All right. And here's the straight story now that I've made you laugh. I'm at a party at Adam Sandler's house, Christmas shindig, Hanukkah combination. I'm playing. I got a lot of, you know, Adam's the best. And he knows all these musicians because he, you know, he loves music. And I'm there, and I, and I do my shtick, my three songs, you know, and there's a bunch of people, famous, I won't drop names. And, well, your buddy Gene Simmons was there, by the way. We talked a little bit, but let me just tell you this. My guitar player, Alexander, says, uh, he's talking to Tom. He says, well, you want to meet Dennis? He says, absolutely. So he brings Tom up. And we're talking. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, I was a huge Sticks fan after, you know, I was a Kiss fan. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, I came and saw Paradise Theater Tour. I came and saw Kilroy was here. I love Roboto. I love your stuff. Uh, and I thought, the, the Rage guy, the great Houdini. I call him that. He's the great Houdini. Uh, here's the story. My son is playing Rage in the house back in the 90s, right? And he said, what do you think of that, Dad? I said, well, you know, your father likes melody and singers, but the keyboard player, he's amazing. He said, what keyboard? I said, the guy that's making all those, all that stuff. He said, that's a guitar player. I said, what? So then I looked at him and went, huh. And I thought, well, there's the great Houdini. So anyway, we talked. 
He likes the, he liked, and I thought, oh, nice. So now, when Jim Peterick and I wrote this song like three years ago, Last Guitar Hero, um, I'm thinking, who's, who's the Last Guitar Hero? I said, I know who the first ones were, but they're mostly dead. They're mostly dead. So I thought, well, Tom, he, he's the last guy, in my opinion, Eddie, and you know more about this than I do, I assume. Who, who, who did something unique, the last guy? I think he is. Now, you know a million guys that can play 2,000 notes in every bar. Right. No, no, that's a fair point in terms of doing some different stuff and groundbreaking. I mean, when you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, when you talk about guitar heroes, <clears throat> I think obviously losing Eddie Van Halen was catastrophic, and he was the guy that I almost put right after Hendrix. But when you talk about modern guitar heroes, I think of the ones we have, the guys that would come to mind would definitely be Tom, certainly Slash, uh, maybe a guy, certainly a guy like Zach Wilde. So those would be guys I would think of as, and by modern, I mean, they've all been going since the 80s. So they've been around a long time, but I'm just talking guys that are in their 50s, late 50s, who are still viewed as guitar heroes. I don't know if there's anybody been, that, that's been, uh, that since Tom came on the scene that you would really look at in that way. I mean, there's a, a, obviously a lot of tremendous guitar players, but, and I'm probably forgetting some, but guys that would really be viewed as, in, in that way. So I think you're, you're pretty on point with that. So, and I met him. So I thought I could ask him and he, you know, and so I just, I said, what do you think? He said, send me the song. So I sent him the song. He said, I love this song. I want to do it. And uh, he did it. I mixed it. And that's the song. And you know, the song itself sounds like it's the end of guitar players. Cause it's funny what you just said, Eddie, you said it. Yeah, the last great one, they're in their 50s. What? <laughs> that shows you where music is gone in terms of rock musicians and rock guitar players. So this song, which sounds lyrically like it's about the end uh, of rock guitar players and rock music, but it's really a song about both. It's really about technology and how it moves forward in an effort to replace us something I've been, you know, touching on in my music since Mr. Roboto back in 1982, where I said the problem's plain to see, too much technology, machines to save our lives, which they can't, but machines to humanize, which they do. So this is really a song about who's next? Me, you, okay, the drum machine for the drummer, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and so and a lot of these sound effects now on guitar records that claim to be rock, I'm not talking about stuff you like. Those hard rock, heavy metal bands, they still have guitar players. But this other stuff that is being touted as rock music, I, I can't find a guitar player in there that I can recognize. And so I thought it was important in this song to say this as, you know, by saying, hey, hey, look at the, listen to this old fart. He's bitching about there's no guitar players. I know there's guitar players. Of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, but, but the idea is, Check your rock stations. It, it, I'm, I don't just mean what you listen to, Eddie. I'm talking about what these stations that claim to be rock music. That's not rock music to me. Dennis, I only got a couple minutes here because we got a lot going on today, but I want to ask you two quick things. Um, first of all, speaking of your record, and again, 26 East Volume 2 that Dennis is talking about is out on Friday. But I want to ask you about uh, a song that is – so this is your last studio record, and what a what a uh, wonderful way to end it than with a song that's called the grand finale, 
which obviously is a nod to your Sticks history and the Grand Illusion. Talk a little bit about wrapping up the record and your recorded career, essentially, with that song as the final moment. Well, I wrote a song called Isle of Misanthrope, which is one, one of the top songs on the album. And when I was done with it, <clears throat> on my prior album, I ended with a thing called AD 1958, which is the way Paradise Theater ended, by essentially saying goodbye. And then I realized they wanted another album. I thought, wait a minute, I just said goodbye. So uh, I thought, well, I'm going to do this song, Isle of Misanthrope. And it's going to trans- transition right into the grand, grand finale, which to me is, you know, it doesn't get much better in sticks music than the, than the Grand Illusion. It is our best album. And the ending, which is the grand finale, is something very special to me. So what I did was I made it work musically. The two songs, I Love Misanthrope and the grand finale come together. Now, nobody's going to be able to hear this until the record comes out because the video doesn't even have that. But my son, Matthew, he plays the drums on Isle of Misanthrope in the grand finale. And the reason Matt plays drums, because he's 41, he's not a kid, is because he, he loved John Panazzo, the sticks drummer. And uh, John and him had a nice relationship. And so Matthew decided to use John's ride cymbal on the last song. And so when you hear the grand finale, the last thing I say is, and deep inside we're all the same, something I said in 1977 which couldn't be more meaningful than it is today. When we lived through the pandemic, we realized suddenly, although it hasn't stopped people from acting like assholes, we realized we are all the same. And we we are all victims to our own stupidity and choices. And we're all in this together, whether we want to believe it or not. And we should stop dividing ourselves into this dogma or that ideology. And the most important ideology is do unto others. And so... The, the album ends with the grand finale. I do the high C, and I say, adios. Now, that doesn't mean, Eddie, since I have a studio in my house, that if I write a song that I think someone might like, that I can't just stick it up on the Internet someplace, put it on my Facebook page, wherever they do these things. I'm 74. Do I have to know? No. But I'm not making no albums because nobody really cares, A, and B, it's too much work. If I get a song I like, I'll call you. Hey, Eddie, I'm buddies with Tom Morello. <laughs> hey, Dennis, last, did last say, thing. Hey, I, what did you think of that? What did you think of that track? <laughs> Well, I thought it was a great way to end the record. I thought it was it was fantastic. I loved how you wrapped up the record. But but last thing, Dennis, you know, and I can't let you go without asking you this. I mean, you have been open and honest on my show and in other places about your desire to do last one last run with Sticks. Has there been any progress in that front? Have you have any dialogue with the guys? Do you think with Sticks fans listening out there, do you hold out any hope that that could still happen at any time? Our dialogue has been mostly in Aramaic. Just kidding. Um, I through back channels, you know the big the biggest shots in this country that put up the money to put bands on the road. Uh, through those channels, uh, the promoters went and because they know what it would mean, Eddie. You know what it would mean uh, to, to to the uh, to the sticks camp. And only one person, as far as I was told, only one one person spoke. It was Tommy who said, uh, "No, thank you." Um, I don't know why because. One last tour just to say goodbye to all the fans who gave us so much. It would be nice to give them back one more look at Mo, Larry, Curly, and Shemp 
You know what I mean? And say, thanks for the memories, kids. But uh, I don't hold out a lot of hope, but one never knows, do they, Eddie? No, you can never say never to anything in this world. You never know. So, um, Dennis, look, I got to run. I'm late for a break, but it's always great to visit with you. Uh, Stay healthy, and hopefully you can get out and play some live shows. I know the fans would love to see that. And we remind everybody that 26 East Volume 1, the first part of this record, is available now. And the second part, Volume 2, as Dennis just said, will be his final recorded statement. That is available everywhere on Friday. Take care of yourself. All the best to your family, and uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? Thanks, buddy. Thank you to Dennis DeYoung. Great to visit with him. His new album is out now. Coming up next, it's Dave Lowy of The Dead Daisies. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's me, your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, now in stores. It's foaming delicious. Eddie Trunk here with you. Dave Lowy now of the Dead Daisies. I gave you the backstory at the top of the podcast. Lowy is a real interesting guy. He is way committed to rock music despite being an extraordinarily successful businessman. First time I ever had a chance to visit with him and talk with him. Here's how that conversation went. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. I thought it was personal all these years. (laughs) Hi, Eddie. No, I just never, never came up, never had the opportunity, but it's great to be on your show. A lot about oh, it. It's great to meet you, at least over the phone. And uh, as I've said, I yeah. think pretty much since day one, all the guys from your band in the various lineups have been in the studio. We had Doug and uh, and Glenn on recently for the new album, which is just phenomenal, by the way. And, um, you, you know, like I always wanted to get the, the story of the band from you, the guy who created okay. uh, this whole thing. So why don't we just yeah. dive in there? Uh, we we sure. know that you and your family are successful in the world of business, but where does your music history come from? Well, I, I played piano as a kid. My mother was a pianist, 
and uh, I played piano as a kid. Then I uh, always wanted to play in a, in a rock and roll band. I played, had a garage band as a teenager just for a couple of years, played bass guitar, and then I stopped. And, uh, you know, I went to, <laughs> I was sort of pointed in another direction and I uh, went to university, studied finance, worked in, in business for a long period of time, but I never lost my passion uh, to play music. And uh, I picked it up again about 20 years ago. So uh, that's really a, that's really a bit of a, <laughs> how I got into it. Uh, I never let the passion go, um, but I didn't have the... Uh, I didn't have the time nor the opportunity nor the, the business environment I was working in. I worked in a very large public company and uh, I just I just couldn't put it together to, to play music. And I, uh, I, left, uh, I left working in, in that large company in about uh, no, 2000 and uh, did something different for, for a living. But that gave me the opportunity to also pursue my uh, one of one of my passions which is which is playing guitar playing rock and roll and writing and performing well so dave obviously and people probably tell from the accent you're australian and you grew up there and yeah. that is is that still where you live is that still your primary home no. no i live in new york i've been living in new york for a number of years now and in fact i did start my business career in the united states uh we we, we had business here when i finished university i I came. I actually lived in Southern Connecticut for for a number of years, but the last number of years I've been based uh, five, six years based in New York, and uh, that's where I live now. But the Dead Daisies came about. You know, it was it was never it was never a great plan. It was it's just sort of all happened. Um, I was playing. Um, I started playing cover bands in around 2000, and uh, I had the chance opportunity to meet um, a well-known Australian rock and roll icon from a band called The Angels. His name was Doc Neeson. They, they, they had some limited success in the US under the name of Angel City. But I teamed yeah. up with uh, with Doc um, and we put a band together and, and wrote an album together. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't well and he he, part, he actually passed away not, not that long ago. But that uh, that really gave me the taste for uh, you know wanting to continue. Um, and I uh, was always looking for something else to do after that, and I did actually start another band in about 2006 called Mink, um, which was with uh, one of the singers that was involved in the Rockstar in Excess program, Neil Carlson, one of the mm-hmm. runners-up, when they were looking for a new singer for In Excess. And we put something together, did an album. Uh, didn't it, it had some very modest success, but then the financial crisis of 2008 came about and I had to sort of focus on 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 my day job and uh, didn't actually play music for, for, for a couple of years until that financial crisis worked through and uh, and then I had a chance meeting um, with a with a guy by the name of John Stevens in Australia who also played in a um, he was actually the singer for In Excess after Michael Hutchins died and uh, He's not well known outside Australia, but he's an unbelievable talent. And uh, we were introduced to each other. And I was looking for something else, something new to do in music. And we sat down together for five days in one place and we wrote 25 songs or 30 songs, I think. And we said, well, let's, let's record this. We didn't have a band. It was just the two of us. And uh, John had a friend in L.A. who'd recorded with before, John Fields is his name. And we went to John Field's studio in I think somewhere in Hollywood, and we recorded uh, our first album, just the, him and I and some and some uh, some session guys, 
that I think it was in October 2012, and we came back to Australia and thought, well, you know, we really like these songs. We want to play them live. Let's put a band together. So that was the that was the genesis of it. There was never any grand plan. John and I met. We were introduced by actually out the man that David Edwards, who manages the Dead Daisies now, and uh, that's where it all started. Dave, can you tell the audience, you know, you know as well as I do, when it comes to your band, the Dead Daisies, and, and there's a lot I want to talk to you about the band and the music as well, but when, when sure. people talk about it, the, the, you, and you've mentioned business and, and that you are a businessman and quite successful, yeah. but can you can you elaborate and clarify that a bit as to exactly what your business is? Is if you don't mind, is it is it real estate or sure. what? What exactly is uh, the the main business that you're in? Well, right now I, I run an investment business for my family. We my my father started a, a, a shopping mall. My father came to Australia as a penniless immigrant in 1952, and started in the real estate business and. Uh, Became quite successful. I joined him when I when I I started. People say, "When did you start working?" I went with my dad since I'm five years old to building sites every weekend, and uh, so I went in. I finished university, went into the in, into the business. We our main business was uh, building, developing, and owning shopping malls, and uh, that was uh, started in 1960. I joined it in 1977. It's a it was a public company, but my brother's involved in it as well. I'm the eldest of three. And it was basically a family-run public company. We had business, we had um, malls all over the world, uh, many in the US, uh, the UK, Australia, New Zealand. And um, we actually, that business actually, we, we sold it. Fortunately, you know, you've got to be lucky in life and everything you do. Uh, we sold that business in uh, in 2018. And uh, But since I left working in that business in 2000 and started a private investment business for my family, which that, that I no longer worked in the public company. So that, that gave me the time and space to do my music. So um, we, we started from nothing. We built a big family business. It was, it was a lot of hard work and, and a lot of luck. You can't, anybody who's successful in life and doesn't admit they're also very lucky is just fooling themselves in my opinion. So we a lot of hard work. We were in a good business, and uh, and we got very lucky. So and how how much how it. much of your how much of your life these days is the business side of of your um, the things you do the, the whether it be overseeing whatever family business there is or the investment stuff and the, and and I guess what I'm saying is how much time uh or do you dedicate daily to the business stuff versus your fun with the dead daisies and the rock and roll side are you able to balance it or is the dead daisies to you more of uh, a side thing when your schedule permits no it's not, it's not a side thing it's anything but i don't have side things i only have main things and uh you know i, I uh i'm uh, i've got the capacity to be able to do both uh, effectively i don't have any time off i don't I don't think of my work as work. I just enjoy doing it. I love playing music. I'm also a pilot, by the way, and I spend a lot of time doing that. And uh, I just managed to be able to fit it all together. I get up early, go to bed late, and and don't waste any time. I mean, I'm I'm always trying to challenge myself and do new things. And um, I I can when when we tour, I actually tour with uh, I have an executive who tours with me and. 
you know, the rock and roll day for most musicians starts four o'clock in the afternoon. For me, it still starts in the morning. So I can do, I can do quite a, quite a bit of work on the road and then, then I'm, I'm still good to play at night. Um, so, uh, I mean, I practice, I play every day. I practice every day. I have to because I haven't done this like most musicians. I'm not a virtuoso musician. I'm a reasonable rhythm guitarist, but I have to practice every day in order to be able to uh, play with the with, with the type of musicians I'm playing. So I, I, I spend a couple of hours every day, and I just find the time to do it. I don't I don't watch much TV, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was just gonna. I was kind of. I'm smiling because I know personally just about everybody that's ever been in the Dead Daisies, and. Uh, we're all friends and I know also as a fan that I am of them, what talented players they've all, they all are. And even the band you have now, certainly. Um, so it certainly will keep you on your toes. I would think, uh, and inspire yeah, yeah. you to want to pick up that guitar to be able to hold your own on that stage with your band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I also believe, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants is a good thing. So, I always try and surround myself with people in whatever I do who are much better at it than myself. And uh, it, it, that, that, enab- that challenges you and enables you to grow. So uh, I love the challenge of it as well. But uh, rock and roll, is, it, it's hard work. You know, I discovered how hard, it, hard work it was by actually doing it. It's hard work. It's, the, the good parts of it are unbelievably good, but there's some, you know, like anything else, you've got to put a huge amount of effort in. And uh, not all parts of it are so good. So, um, but it's uh, you know I feel privileged to be able to to do it and pursue it. Dave, you said you're a pilot. How long have you been? Yeah. How long have you been a pilot? And are you kind of like Bruce Dickinson, where that you? I, I know you have your own plane. Are you able to fly? Do you fly your own plane, or do you fly the band to the I gigs do. yourself? I do, yeah. I, I, I fly. I've got an airline transport pilot license. I also am an air show pilot. I've flown over 1,000 air shows. I was, uh, I was Australian aerobatic champion. And uh, I did two, when growing up, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to play in a rock and roll band and I wanted to be, uh, I, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And I've basically lived my life in reverse and, and done, done the things that most people do in their early days, in my later days. So. Yeah, I'm a very keen pilot, and uh, and I do yeah, I do fly the band. I fly wherever I go myself. Um, I, I've got a train twice a year. I fly the same standard as any military or or commercial professional pilot. And yeah, I love doing it. How far can you go, uh, Dave, in your plane? Like, for instance, if you're in New York right now, I'm in New Jersey. We're we're in the same area. So if I if I came over to your place right now, I said, uh, hey, hey, Dave, let's uh, you know, let's go to I don't know. Let's let's go to England or let's go to London. Like, could, could you could you conceivably like fire up your plane and jump in and go? I could. It takes a bit of planning. It's not you can't just fire it up and go. You've got to you submit a flight. You've got to prepare the aircraft. You've got to fuel it. You've got to submit a flight plan. Going to England is not complex at all. But going to some other places in the world, it, t- it takes a couple of days of planning. But to go to Europe is quite simple. Um, yeah, I could do that if you. If I was minded to, and you wanted to do it, yeah, I fly a lot. I've flown a lot for business. Uh, my business has taken me all over the world, so I, aircraft's also a tool. But I just love to fly. Yeah, so I'd rather be in. I'm a participant, not a spectator, in anything that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I hate connecting flights, so that's an amazing luxury to be able to, have to do that. I'm envious to be able because yeah. I travel all I travel a lot domestically, and I anytime I'm spoiled because living in a major city, I often don't have to do connections. But every time there's a connection, I'm like, damn, you know, it's just it just uh, to have that is just makes makes life a lot easier. Now you were supposed to be on with us last week or two weeks ago originally, and we had to postpone yeah. because at that time yeah. you were in Israel apparently. And yeah. you had gotten stuck there. Did you fly yourself there? I did, but uh, yeah, I did. But you know, during the during the rocket fire, the airport was closed quite a bit, and uh, oh my gosh, I didn't actually get back. And uh, quite an interesting experience running into a bomb shelter if you've never done it before in your life, which I haven't. So, so wait, you landed uh, in Israel, and then they you pull you had to get off your own plane, and then they they put you in a bomb shelter. No, I was already there. I was already there. My, my father lives there, and I go and visit him every month. So I was already there, and uh, uh, I was sitting in a restaurant, and air raid siren goes off, and you run into a shelter, and went off a number of times. And uh, it's a complex part of the world. <laughs> the Middle East is a complex part of the world. And you were you were able to pilot yourself out of there once you got the all clear, then. Yeah, once the ceasefire, I was able to. Once the ceasefire, the airport opened up and I was able to leave. So that's why I got delayed last week. Have you ever had yeah. any? Have you ever had any other harrowing experiences like that, flying yourself in different parts of the world? Not there. I've had in my air show flying. I've had. Uh, I've actually had two accidents. Um, Fortunately, as I said, you've got to be lucky in life. I'm here to be able to talk about them. Um, I've also had 21 friends killed doing that type of flying, so it's not for it's you know it's not without its risks, but um, uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's something I always wanted to do, and uh, and uh, and I did it. I don't actually do the aerobatics anymore. Uh, I think I'm just a little bit old for it now, but um, but I, I love I just love being in the front of the plane and flying it, and the, the challenge of that it's. Um, I'd rather do that than sit in the back. Um, Dave, you know, you brought up luck a couple times when we were, you're were talking about business and really anything and that having to be factored in yeah. as well. And I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you got to put a lot of hard work in. You got to have skill and talent. You also got to get a break. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it applies to music and the band, you know, you know I think that probably is really uh, never more evident because if you think about it, uh, you're somebody who has resources to be able to really do what you want as far as a band and a musician and put musicians together and make records and work in studios and work with noted producers and whatever whatever yeah. uh, benefits you can bring to the table because of your success in business. But I think the fact that the Dead Daisies are still not a household name and not an arena headlining band just goes to yeah. show you that even in music, it there are still intangibles. It still takes more than to have resources and and financial security. You really do need to find that that special stew, don't you? Yeah, it's um, that's right. It's something very special, and it's not something that can be bought. There's no doubt about that. I mean, every every uh, band that 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 actually is successful performers and bands are successful. They they've got some some extra special talent. Um, and they've got it at the right time, 
um, and they're surrounded by the right people and it's all got to come together. Uh, it, it's, it's actually, of all the different businesses I've been in, it is the hardest. It's a very low, it's a very low margin, high risk business. <laughs> yeah, they're it not, is. <laughs> they're not, they're not, that's not a good combination. So, uh, but, but if you're passionate about it, you're passionate about it. I, you know, my goal is not to be a household name. It, my goal is to, you know, make some good music, play some good music, have some fans enjoy it. Hopefully they enjoy it and come along for the ride with us. And, and um, you know, everybody who, who, who does this, you know, wants to be as big as the world's biggest fans, but that, that's just, you know, it, it, it's generally just simply not possible because of the, the mix of all the things that you need, the talent and the timing and the luck and all sorts of things like that. So, you know, I think that we've had some some uh, modest success. Uh, we've got, you know, we've played hundreds, I think more than 300 shows. We, in in Europe, uh, we've, we've, uh, we can play to be between 12 and 1,500 people of our own, own fans in Europe. We've played some very big... Uh, Festivals. We've done a lot of support. Done a lot of support, and uh, we're building a fan base. Uh, fan base is growing all the time. I think. I think we've had over 30 million Spotify plays, which is not a lot in the scheme of things, but it, it's still 30 million. You know, so um, yeah. It's, uh, has it it's, has it been, uh, uh, Dave? As the as one of the challenges of the Dead Daisies in its history been the turnover and and the change in members or do you look that at that as a positive and sort of a fresh coat of paint with with various records and tours well look ideally I think it would have been best if we could have had one group of people four or five people and uh, or six people and that remained a constant but it's just not possible today it's not possible because the people who, are, who have been involved have themselves wanted to do different things at different times, um, and um, it's not, it just it just didn't. If we were a bunch of you know eighteen year olds or twenty year olds who, who just you know pool their meager savings and go out and do it, um, it's one thing. But at this stage of life, everybody in, who's been in the band has got other things that they do and want to do. Um, so it's just been it's been difficult to keep it together um you know if i go back over a bit of the history when when john stevens and i started the band we didn't have a band just so happens that uh we knew a a drummer uh charlie drayton um i don't know if that name means anything to you charlie uh he's a drummer for a australian band called cold chisel um and uh he was good friends with richard fortas and we're talking to Charlie and we said, do you know any good guitarists around? He said, well, Guns N' Roses are in Australia now. They've got three weeks off. I'll give him a call and see if he wants to come and, and play with us. Uh, and he did. And, and Richard came and Richard brought Dizzy and that's how Richard and Dizzy actually joined us. Um, but I always knew that they would go back to Guns N' Roses one day. It was just a matter of time until that thing came back together. But, it, you know, I just, to, to, to have the opportunity to play with those guys was, was worth it knowing that one day that they wouldn't wouldn't be there. And I mean, even with, um, you know, we made three albums with John Karabi and John, John just wanted, John has a good solo career. And after, I think we took, he was with me four years, we made three albums and he'd done a lot of touring and he just wanted to do, do his own thing for a while. So um, that's how, that that's just how it is at this 
for this band at this stage. Um, the advantage is you do get you do get fresh ideas and fresh things coming in, and uh, I I like to I see the writing as a collaborative process. Um, you know, some songs are brought into the room by different people. Glenn brought quite a few of the songs which were already done for this album, but Doug and I put a lot of time in working on some songs and. That all of us have input into 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 all the songs, so I enjoy the writing with different people as well. Um, it's got its pluses, it's got its minuses. I know I know the fans uh, don't really you know don't like it, but um, it's just you know it's not a perfect world, and this is the best that we can do at this point in time at the different stages of the careers of different people. Uh, Doug, Doug Aldridge, of course, he's been a, he's been in there for a while. I was joking with him the other day that yeah. he's kind of like outside of you, one of the veteran guys, and obviously he an is. immensely yeah. talented guy as well. So, so, so of the band of the people who have been in the band over the years, is it ultimately your decision when, when somebody leaves? Is it ultimately your decision to to approve and find the person that's going to come in? Are there people you no, sort of have like a wish list that you'd like to work with the people you'd like to, to work no. with at, at some point? I, I don't even think about it until I need to think about it. So, um, you know, ideally this, this is the lineup and this lineup stays together and hopefully it will. If, if it doesn't, then I'll have to have to figure it out. Um, but I, I work in a very collaborative way. It's, uh, uh, both with man with management and with Doug and who's ever in the band at the time, we sit down and discuss things. There's no, it's it's not a. They typically know more about it than me anyway. So I like to listen to a whole lot of opinions, see what type of consensus can be built. Ultimately, decision has to be made. But I don't recall too many decisions where, uh, if someone's really against something in inside the band, it's unlikely that it will happen. And I, I run my business the same way, and everything else I do, I like to build a consensus and if somebody knows what they're talking about it as much as I do or more than me then uh, I'll listen to them if, if they've got a different different opinion but I don't have a wish list I don't even think about it and hopefully this is the lineup for the dead daisies if I have to think about it I will <laughs> if I hopefully I don't bringing in Glenn Hughes who is another incredibly talented guy and a friend for many many years I love Glenn he he obviously brings a lot to the table. He essentially, effectively, him coming into the Dead Daisies actually replaced two people because he sings. Yes. Uh, so so he replaced Karabi and also uh, Marco Mendoza okay. w left the band. Yeah. And then and Glenn is I, I think Glenn's bass playing is tremendously overlooked just because of how powerful his voice is. So when you uh, when you decided talk about the decision to bring Glenn in and how that came about, because that's a big move. I, I don't think, especially outside of America, I, Glenn certainly has his fans in the U S but because purple, I think was so much is viewed so much more uh, in a, on a higher pedestal outside of the U S than in the U S I think, um, you know, Glenn coming in casts a big shadow in a good way. I think he's a, a, amazingly talented, but I, I would think you knew that when you, you went and got him and knew that a big part of the spotlight was going to shift to him by bringing a guy like that into the dead daisies. Yeah. Look, um, we did talk about around, you know, a number of different names, a number of different people. We did talk to a couple of other people. But um, Doug, of course, knew Glenn. Doug played with Glenn um, right. in his solo thing for a while, and they were friends. Actually, each person that's come into the band has actually come through somebody who's already been in the band. 
So, Doug, uh, I think Doug suggested we should talk to Glenn, and I'd, I'd heard, obviously, I knew knew of Glenn, and and uh, we, you know, we got together and we hit it off straight away. I mean, uh, you can tell in the first five minutes when you sit down with someone, are you going to be able to collaborate? And uh, Glenn is such an enormous talent, an unbelievably talented uh, singer, songwriter, and bass player. And uh, I, uh, I just knew instantly. I sat down and sat, we had dinner together, and said, "This, this is going. I know this is going to work. Let's let's see how we can make it work." So uh, Glenn was still doing the uh, the Purple uh, tour, and you know his uh, his solo thing playing Purple songs, and he'd done that for a couple of years. So I guess a bit of serendipity. I think he'd he may have had enough of doing that, and then I came along, and 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 you know. We hit it off together, uh, and here we are. <laughs> Unfortunately, COVID got in the way, uh, which made, made life quite difficult. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, I was lucky to be able to meet with Glenn and convince him to join us and, 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 and put it together with him because he's an immense talent, and he does cast a big shadow. And But, I mean, uh, Doug is an unbelievable guitarist as well, and... Uh, I have to say, sometimes it's um, a bit daunting for me with these uh, musicians, but uh, so far, I mean, I think to be, I can, I, I think I can hold my own in the band, doing, playing the parts that I play and what I do, and I, I participate in the writing. Some of the songs I actually bring into the room myself. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a, a lucky break to get Glenn at the right time, and he's, he's an immense talent, and. Uh, I think he will. He's, de- he's definitely lifted the profile of the band, and I, I just can't wait to get out and tour with him. Actually, we've got a tour starting uh, uh, in the middle, in 23rd of June. It's our first date. We'll actually be playing together, even though we've been together for for, for two years now. We haven't played a, a live show together. Yeah, does it when you look at somebody like Glenn coming into a band like the Dead Daisies? Does it concern you when you? Think of that, though, because Glenn, whether it's Black Country Communion, whether it's the solo stuff, whatever it may be, he's always going to be doing some other things. I know he's very committed to this but at the moment, but does it concern you because of the history of turnover in the band that that this do you, do you, does it stick in the back of your mind? Do you have that conversation when someone comes into the band like, hey, you're going to stick around here? Is this going to be one and done? Is that ever a consideration for you? Look, I try not to think about it like that. If they, if, if we're doing well and they like it and we like it and it works, then they're going to want to stick around and, until they don't, you know? Um, so, yeah, uh, as I said, ideally, if we can keep the lineup as one, that's the best thing, and, and uh, I hope we can. I think we can. I mean, just to give you an example, um, Dean Castronova, no, I mean he he's got a problem with his neck. You know we're all old guys now, so he just couldn't. Um, he needs a neck oper. He needs a, some type of operation, and he was struggling to play because of that. So he you know said, "Listen, dudes, I, I just I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this t- this uh, this tour next year. I've got I've got to get my my health together. I've got to get this uh, issue with my neck fixed." So okay. Tommy had played with us before. We made contact with him. Great, he can come back. It's great, but you know, you've also got people's people's um, physical, uh, you know, um, 
issues that they're dealing with at, at this age and of having having done it for so long. So yeah, but you know, you know, I certainly hope I certainly hope Dean's okay and Tommy's an unbelievable drummer. Um, yeah. But you know what's incredible, uh, and I'm kind of laughing about this. I, I'm pretty sure Glenn is probably the oldest guy in the Dead Daisies, yet he is yeah. probably the most youthful. And <laughs> he doesn't. I, mean, I was joking with him. I was like, "What'd you do, man? You found the fountain of youth, especially with how much you, you, you." He openly talks about how you know how much he polluted his body in the '70s. I'm like, that somehow preserved you, man. I don't know how that's possible to be like this now. Yeah. It's amazing. The guy's really remarkable. Yeah. It's incredible. He is. He is remarkable, and he is youthful, and he is the oldest guy in the band. I'm the second oldest, but he is youthful. Um, we think of ourselves as youthful, all of us. So, yeah, um, you know, that's uh, that's that's how it is today. I got to tell you, Holy Ground, the new album. Uh, with all respect to your past records, it's my favorite record the band made. I just think it's a a monster, monster record, and it definitely yeah. begs to be heard played live. I, I I'm looking forward to being able to, being able to catch a show somewhere. Tell me about the plans to be able to go play live, as things are pretty much at least here in the U.S. kind of wide open now, and everybody yeah, seems well, to be going good. out. So what what do you hope to be able to do live? Well, we've got uh, we're doing uh, nine dates uh, in from from uh, June the 23rd. We start in Lake Park in Florida. It's like a warm-up tour. We're playing small clubs, and we have because we haven't actually played together, so this will be the first time. So we've got a show in Florida, uh, in Nashville, Chattanooga, Detroit, Columbus, uh, Louisville, Battle Creek, and uh, and and in and in uh, Ohio, a couple of dates. And it's all on our on our. DeadDaisies.com on our website, and then we've got a, a a bigger tour planned in September, October throughout the US. We we'd hoped we could get to the UK, but uh, I I think I think it's going to have to wait till later in the year until um, until the until COVID settles down. Um, very hopeful that it will. It seems the places where people are are vaccinated, um, it it's um, it is really. Uh, it's not continuing like, uh, I mean, one of the first places where there was a lot of vaccination was in Israel, and there's hardly any COVID there now. It was really bad there. Now they've got like 10 or 15 cases a day. Um, so this vaccine really works, and uh, as many people get it, um, that's how quick uh, it'll go away. So um, we're looking forward to being able to get get to uh, Europe sometime later this year as well, because we do have a very good fan base in uh, in Europe, particularly Germany and in the UK. But the next, uh, we've got we've got two tours here in the U.S. One in June, July, and then in September, October. So check out our uh, our social media and see where it's at, and hopefully uh, we can get as, play as many fans as, as can get there. Yeah, I'm looking at the dates now. The website for everybody listening uh, around the country, thedeaddaisies.com, and that's where you'll find the dates. As uh, as Dave mentioned, first show June 23rd. So coming up in a few weeks, uh, Lake Park, Florida. And uh, there's a run of dates. And then I see you already got stuff in 22 lined up for Europe. So you've got yeah. a bunch of things uh, cooking there already. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's, I'm so looking forward to getting out and playing live again. It's it's, uh, it's, unbel- it's amazing how much you miss it when you, when you can't do it. Two final questions for you, and then I'll let you go, Dave. Sure. What is um, What has been the from, – from a guy who has been well-versed in the business world – on a, on a variety of different, uh, you know, platforms, 
what has been the biggest challenge for you in trying to establish and break and grow a rock band in the music industry? Uh, speaking of that business, because I always tell my audience, like, it's called the music business, and a lot of times fans forget that second word, and we all know that second word looms larger sometimes than the first for some bands. But for, as a businessman, when you look at the music business, what do you see as the biggest challenge? Well, the biggest challenge if, from a business point of view is that it's a very low-margin business, and it's very high-risk. And as I said, those two things, that's not a good combination of things from a business but to be in this, to to be in the music business, you you have to love it and be passionate about it. Otherwise, you just couldn't do it. Um, you know, the, re, the the returns are meager, even for for, for some big bands. Um, and um, but you know, if you, I've, I've met a lot of people in 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 the music business, if you like, and I actually don't focus on the. I don't want to focus on the business side of it myself. I. We've got very good management, and that's that's their role. I actually focus on the music and the playing and the performing and the writing and recording. And I love the camaraderie of being in a in a in a band, and that's the part of it. I, I try not to focus on on the business of it at all because that's not the enjoyable part of it. Um, but it is it's a very difficult business to. Uh, I mean, especially today, um, it's you know, with, with the with the uh, the economics of it. If you're a top band, you can you can do well with streaming. But if you're not a very big band, it's it's it. Uh, you've just got to play live, which is which is the enjoyable part of it, and try and sell merchandise and do all those business type of things. But it is uh, it's a hard hard business, and you don't want to do it unless you really love it, because uh, you, you won't last long in it if you don't love it. And is there a a a, a highlight for you? personally in the history of the dead daisies is there a show a moment a gig maybe somebody you met on the road maybe you opened or played with another artist that you were such a huge fan of do you have a personal highlight or two so far in the history of the band i do, I do. we we played a festival in poland uh we headlined uh one of the i think the opening night of it or one of the nights of it in poland we played to eighty-five thousand people and we played with a 60-piece orchestra and we rehearsed wow. with the orchestra for four days in a in a concert hall, and we then played this show in front of eighty five thousand people um, with a sixty piece orchestra. It was uh, it's not only a highlight of my musical uh, career, and it's one of the highlights of my life. Um, I just feel so privileged to be able to do it. And then also all the people that I've met, I've met so many, made so many good friends, and met so many, so many people to, to meet some you know to meet so many talented people and share the stage with talented people is uh it, it is a real is, is a real highlight for me it's the, it's the people and uh and also the fans um i think of it you know the dead daisies as you know and the fans as being one we're just on this journey trying to trying to make some good music and enjoy ourselves along the way and hope other people get enjoyment out of it but for me the biggest highlight was playing with the orchestra in front of a massive crowd but I've also had some club shows with a hundred people in the audience, which have been absolutely unbelievable as well. So it's, it's not just the crowd. It's, uh, uh, it's, there's so many things about it, the camaraderie of being in a band and when you're on stage and it's working and it's good, uh, there's, there's very few things better than that in life. So I'm just very, uh, I'm, I'm happy and privileged. I've been able to, to do it. 
Well, I really uh, appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy and it's uh, it's long overdue that we had a chance to talk and I hope that we can uh, meet and the next time the, there's a run through in the studio, you you'll be you'll have the time to be able to come in and I really really hope I get to see a show uh, when there's something where I am and we're at, somewhere at the same time because I love this record and uh, I, I can't wait to hear it played live. And now with Tommy coming in playing drums, uh, Dean's incredible, of course. Tommy's a powerhouse. Him driving this stuff, um, it's just going to be uh, it's th- it's going to be an awesome thing to hear this this record done live yeah. uh, and songs from. And I imagine even though this is a different band than has made the previous records, are you still going to touch on some of the ba- some of the stuff from the previous records oh, yeah. as well in the live no, set? De- Definitely, De- we're definitely doing that. Definitely playing some uh, a number of the songs from the previous albums. Uh, a lot of the fans, you know, love those tracks, and uh, we're, de- we're definitely playing the playing the uh, old tracks as well. I mean, we've done some rehearsals, and and um, Glenn sings the hell out of them, and he's he's unbelievable. I'm just, you know, it's, uh, it's well worth coming to see us. Um, you'll enjoy it for sure. Actually, we're going to be in New York. I think 20th of September. Well, good. I'll keep an eye on the dates. And if you're within striking distance or I'm on the road somewhere, I I absolutely want to come out and see the show because, uh, again, I love the record. The Dead Daisies Holy Ground is out now. Go to thedeaddaisies.com for all the information and updates and the social media links are there as well for upcoming shows. Um, Dave, pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for the time. And uh, hopefully we'll meet soon. Look forward to it. Thank you. Well, my thanks to Dave Lowy. Great to talk with him. A few Dead Daisies dates out there now. More to be announced soon. And that new album, Glenn Hughes, Doug Aldridge, really, really killer. That is available now as well. Thanks also earlier in the show to Dennis DeYoung for joining us. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Please be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk. My thanks to Joel Pollack for producing And I will see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode. Remember, come on out and see me if you're in Dallas tomorrow night, June 18th, in McKinney, Texas, at the Guitar Sanctuary for a speaking Q&A show. And the other dates from there, including Oklahoma City on Saturday the 19th, Houston, Warehouse Live on the 25th, Tulsa, June 26th, at the IDL Ballroom. Hope to see you for these June appearances. Great to be back out there. Can't wait to connect with everybody. And I'll catch you, of course, next week here on the podcast. And please be sure to listen to me every day on Sirius XM Volume Channel 106, live 2 to 4 Eastern, nightly replays 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Have a good week. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.